Yeah, there's a lot in in the works that kind of plays on these um, like diaristic or documentary aesthetics, and as and I sort of wanted to talk about that in relation to intimacy, both of like the relationships you're portraying in these works, and also the uh, sort of the intimacy within the medium you're using. Um, so I thought we could start by talking about that. So, yeah. So I guess, um, yeah. So I guess it is rooted more in in documentary making than, or, or in TV than in cinema, which I kind of said previous to this conversation. Um, so yeah. So I guess there is like a diaristic thing. I'm, I'm interested in the video diary, and I think that goes back to YouTube and video logs and live journal. Um, but I don't know how invested I am in this project, but I was really invested in a political project of um, performing intimacy in public. Um, I thought that was quite important to do, um, which I guess is like diary making. There's like a nice quote, like a, I can never say his name, the German filmmaker, and it begins with an F. Fassbinder? Y yeah, Werner right? Fassbinder. Yeah, okay. He made The Wire and yeah. so on and so, so forth. So there's like a quote of his that Maura Davey often uses, so I'm like quoting her quote, but about um, the more personal and specific something is, the easier that people can relate to it. And there's also stuff about making um, lived experience um, public or making kind of intimacy public as a kind of a political thing. Um, and like rooting for story, not that I'd say I do storytelling, but that the stuff that you're showing in like your everyday kind of lived experience. So I guess that's kind of what it comes down to. And I saw that as quite a political thing. And I guess for a long time I was thinking about um, using art spaces to quite aggressively perform um, parts of my intimate life to try and make it um, more open for people who might be LGBTQI plus or whatever, or might come from a working class background, or might come from a, a group they don't naturally see in those kind of spaces to therefore be in those spaces afterwards. Although I'm not necessarily sure because there's also like um, issues about if you perform intimacy, if you're there for being instrumentalized by the organization, which is a concern I have. Um, but I also do feel like in a, like I'm in a position in some ways or like a component position that I can do that. Cause there is a, I guess there's a, a lot of people where if they were to make work that was super personal, super intimate and put it in their spaces, they're putting themselves at quite a lot of risk, whereas I don't feel at that much risk doing it. Mm. Um, so there's also that kind of thing. But I am slightly wary of the, like, what is the use of biography? But that's kind of, yeah. It makes me, like, super uncomfortable to make, like, really intimate stuff really public. And that's, I guess, why I kind of do it. But in some ways, I also feel like it doesn't really go further enough. Um, and I feel like a bit of a coward by not making work that's like super sexually explicit. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's that kind of thing. And I guess like a form of diary, diary, like, yeah, I don't know. I've never had a diary, but. Um, I suppose I'm just thinking of like parts where there are parts where you're sort of reading to your, to yourself, but out mm -hmm. loud and mm -hmm. things like in the, um, in Vaseline, when you're reading a passage of writing and it's kind of like cut in with the mistakes and things like that, where you, we stumbled on a sentence and that mm. kind of, to me, had quite a diaristic element to it. And I suppose as well, 
to do with the formats. Mm-hmm. You have 16.9, like the kind of generic video format, but there's also a lot of footage that's like the iPhone sort of orientation and then also the smaller frames, which are more like Skype calls and mm-hmm. and they sort of have a very like vulnerable or personal quality to them. Yeah, I guess a lot of that also is to do with the not in not being cinema or not wanting to come from a a place of cinema or like particularly not wanting to talk about cinema because I'm not really that interested in cinema so it's like um, a lot of the early films like the really early film work which I probably haven't necessarily sent you like the yeah was um, me getting friends to do things on webcam that I would then like try to piece together to make some kind of uh, moving image thing so I guess it's also not being economical but like using what you have to hand like Vaseline's made from yeah like it costs nothing it's just made with a camera that I have because it's quite a cheap camera um but also like a camera that I'd use like in day-to-day life so I guess it's that yeah that lived experience thing but um but yeah and I guess in some of the film stuff's been shot over quite a long period of time and then edited in quite an intense period but I, I there was a period where I was like super into the iPhone um and like um I remember telling my friend uh Eleanor once that like um I felt like the internet because of the iPhone was at the end of my fingertips and somehow it was like a part of me which is a really bad thing to say but I felt like um like the like my consciousness could extend like my knowledge base extended through that because if I wanted to know something I could go into the internet and it didn't feel like a separate use of a tool and therefore I was thinking about this like um the iPhone as an extension of the body and the body is something that's marking like a passage of time or is like a I don't know a record keeping device in its own right um but yeah, I've really like got slightly bored of that recently. Like I used to film everything, like absolutely everything. And I, I don't really feel that drive so much anymore. I guess it's hard to hold on to the iPhone thing as well, because it became such a like art novelty mm. for a while, that aesthetic. But I think there is something like, there's something deeper than that. The draw to that is maybe like deeper where it has more to do with that um, kind of ad hoc immediacy, which somehow equals an authenticity Mm. and I suppose sort of situating the work outside of cinema is like also Mm. also part of that um I wonder what the like because I suppose I hadn't I hadn't thought about this thing to do with the internet being quite so significant within your work or something Mm -hmm. you think about a lot but I suppose I wonder wonder if that's sort of connected to this idea of like archiving in a more informal way or like using these kind of media, which I think the internet is also part of, to document kind of personal histories or untold histories, be they like over a very short period of time in a very contemporary sense or much older. I think in... uh... In I Believe In You, the internet was, like, really important. Or, like, technological mediation through the internet was really important. I guess recently, like, the... Like, I've, I've been thinking a lot about um, language and accent, which is the same, it's on the same kind of um, trajectory of, like, uh, if the internet is, like, just a tool and actually, you know, language is just a tool and, like, they're doing the same kind of thing and it's it's, like, a... A continuum that I'm trying to think of, like actually, if you know, if, if people of my age don't really see the internet as a particularly separate tool, like you would do a 
hammer, but you see it as like more of an in instinctive thing. If it's, if it becomes like this thing of language where you don't actually see like, oh, like you're so aware that you're using it as something, it's not a thing to talk about. But, um, but I guess, yeah, I guess my initial attraction to the internet was because it was somewhere where like my subjectivity, which is like a buzzword or whatever, uh, kind of played out like as a kid. Um, and I guess like a lot of my like um, figuring out who I was was on the internet and a lot of other people like I don't know yeah a lot of subjectivities came about by it and like a lot of I guess realizing that you were interested not in like um, strange stuff but like you were really interested in other people's lives and you'd watch these really boring banal videos of other people's lives because it felt I don't know super interesting um, so I guess the internet in that way yeah as like an archive or somewhere where other identities got to speak or got to be heard or like you could really encounter other things also just somewhere where you see stuff that you don't see mm. like particularly in you know like in cinema like in on the internet you see things that you, you don't ever see in cinema or like different viewpoints or whatever so i guess it was really important in that and i think particularly with within gay culture it was really important um both in terms of like finding a social space but also like the uh geographical kind of politics like the way grinder and things like that are used to expand space and kind of diminish space mm -hmm. or sort of grow a kind of parallel space yeah. to what's already there yeah i guess i guess that's kind of that's kind of what i was what i was sort of beginning to think about when you started to talk about the internet is that i think for everybody of our generation mm -hmm. it was like a really formative kind of space in terms of how we learned about ourselves in the world and I think for like minority communities of any kind it was I can only imagine it was even more so mm. and I think I suppose it's interesting now in that the internet we probably remember when we were younger is like doesn't exist in the same way but maybe no. that's a different conversation yeah, I mean, it's it's super corporate and it's difficult like to access things in the way that it used to be. Um, or I guess like in some ways with the internet, it feels a little bit like people aren't really doing it because they, like, I don't know. There's people whose live journals they used to follow just used to write so much about anything because they enjoyed doing it, whereas now you'd be sponsored by people. Um, but I think also like the other, the other thing with the internet or internet, particularly in relationship to moving image, is that it's like a form that's really readable. So like people can people can read what a video that's using an iPhone and that's kind of using some of the editing, editing techniques or like the the video log style, or like even like the, the travel, I guess there's a lot of travel stuff on the internet and like YouTube, um, is really readable um, and easily accessible to people who might not be interested in art. So I guess like that's another thing, like it's, uh, yeah. If you, I don't know, like I, I'm wary of being too referential in the works that I make to art history because I think a lot of people don't know that and aren't actually that interested and it becomes like you're talking about a thing that's talking about a thing that's talking about a thing whereas when you're using those it's like a more direct form of communication not that it can't also be talking about art history like of course mm. I'm aware of of that but I guess there was also an attempt to be like much more direct with like with an audience or like with people that I would want to go see the work it's like um I can't remember what I was going to say now well I suppose I suppose that sort of comes back to that Kind of thing of emotionality or intimacy where I think the kind of the sort of aesthetic you're using and where that comes from is like even now I think despite how sort of 
much more rigid the internet has become and the spaces within the internet has be- have become it's it's still a very like sort of visceral place mm-hmm. in a way especially if i think about something like youtube and the sort of the memes that rose out of people having these like insane emotional outbursts and things like that which were sort of like liberating and also quite disturbing because they're not something you would generally see in like in conventional media mm-hmm. and I, I sort of I think that opens up a lot of possibilities if if you are the kind of person who is interested in exploring how you would represent mm-hmm. a, a more sort of uh, kind of tangible or genuine emotionality mm-hmm. yeah and I guess like I guess yeah I guess because that emotionality or like um that intimacy can only really happen like um between people like it's a reaction like it's a a feedback thing and that happens a lot with that kind of video making i guess it's like a lot i don't know a lot quicker or um yeah i don't know there's like more of a feedback loop in that kind of video making but i remember doing an interview once with someone i was showing them some of the work that i was making it was i think it was like a really early edit of i believe in you and they were like um yeah, I was talking about being diaristic and being like building this archive and I was interviewing these people about like their bodies and I showed them an idea and they were just like, well, why? It's like such, like it's HD, it's like super HD and like I can see everything and like that doesn't make me think for a diary. Like why have you not got a VHS camera? And I was just like, why would I like use a VHS camera? Like that's not the technology that's around me and that's not like what I see that would be really convoluted and weird for me to, for this, like to, to get a VHS camera to do that. And they somehow like seem to think like a VHS camera would be like more authentic as a diary. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's a really like art historical anxiety, isn't it? Yeah. Again, that, that so it, it less so now maybe, but like video, video art seems to still have this sort of like slight fixation on like the early nineties, late eighties. Mm-hmm. I idea of what's like, um, high cinema, like 70 mil film, and what's like low video VHS, whereas that's actually like moved on quite considerably. Or, but I would, I don't know, I would argue that the the aesthetic of like that really crisp HD, the kind of like, but it's crisp in the wrong way, where it's like mm. sort of, it's like digital SLR. I mean, this is really tacky and it's, kind of. It's digital stupid. SLR. It's not HD or crisp at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's everything is really sharp, but it's sharp in kind of an unpleasant yeah. way. It's not like good. It's I've, not a good lens. I would board. argue that that still is like visibly a sort of run and gun aesthetic, mm-hmm. or or a very like makeshift aesthetic. But that's probably also because I've spent too much time working with video. No, I mean I think that is like, yeah, like the the DSLR that I use is quite bad DSLR and the lens is not a particularly good lens um and the same with iPhones that people like it was funny that she said it was HD and I'm like it's 720 that's not full HD I don't know yeah I guess people use that as a shorthand though I guess for for just meaning digital but I find that in, in general with the like the terminology of like film video moving image and like I'm not actually sure like I don't really understand what those distinctions are I could, I could give you, you my, could give me yours, my theory, yeah. but it's pretty cuttings. <laughs> no, that's you should go for it. You should give me it. I guess so. I guess the way I think this is maybe just for justifying my own practice, but I guess the way <laughs> the way that I've always sort of 
um, split like moving image versus video art is video art is m more concerned with the actual medium of video like the physical qualities that mm -hmm. come along with it and mm -hmm. the technology that comes along with it and and all of that whereas moving image is more about the kind of image mm -hmm. within within the frame and what that means mm -hmm. in maybe a more like painterly mm -hmm. sense so so that frame can be taken and shown in a cinema or projected in a gallery or whatever and its meaning doesn't really change mm -hmm. whereas video art is more specific to its uh, to to the means it's it's portrayed with what about film that is film is that literally film like film i suppose i mean film to me is like going to the cinema okay it's like it has to be seen in the cinema or like on your tv at home okay it's and and it's that like 90 minute experience really produced okay. um but yeah I, I suppose your work is interesting because it fit it sort of slots between it sort of oscillates between quite a lot of those in the sense that it is it has an awareness of media and the kind of like crunchiness of digital digital video and and all of these things but then at the same time it has its own like the composition within shots is imperfect but deliberate yeah yeah sure um i guess yeah like when i thought about like um video man i know i remember like when speaking to a tutor and they were like film is on film 16 mil or 35 and then video is if it's digital and then moving image is like when you've installed it somewhere uh, which I don't necessarily agree with. But like, um, I always thought of videos being like, um, you know, there's always stuff about Stuart Marshall and like, I can't remember, is it Rosalind Krauss who writes about it as being this thing that like has a feedback loop or something that you can see yourself in or that's like TV, like a, like a lesser medium, but that's probably not the way it is at all. But um, How do you mean like, as in if you're watching like a TV program, you're sort of almost watching it to imagine yourself in that? Yeah I, mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess like early video work was often to do with like documenting performances sometimes that were like semi-live or having like a camera where you were videoing the people and then they saw themselves like later. But then I think, yeah, like a metaphorical, like um, seeing yourself in the thing that you're seeing rather than seeing something that was illusionary or... Um, but but I, I also don't necessarily think that's... I don't necessarily prescribe to that. Um, but I can't quite remember your question now. <laughs> well, neither, neither can I. You sort of put me on the spot, having to. No, no. I just, I, I guess I'm interested in that, like define a whole canon. Yeah, like, <laughs> like canon definition things. Really, like, yeah, funny. Yeah, there was something I really wanted to get about. I'll see if I can sort of reform the question as I, or observation as I'm saying it. There was, there was something I wanted, I'll just spit out the really vague version and you can make of it what you will, but there was something that I sort of found really interesting in how when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about like conventional um, art video or something like that, it comes with a history, it comes with a kind of context and it comes with a, you know, a press release and all of this other stuff and, and it's part of a canon in that way. Mm -hmm. And, and I suppose what's what's quite interesting about the um, the use of like of this of like the crappy HD and all of this stuff is 
is I think those things are really important. I think people do know how to read that because I think anybody who has spent much time sort of drifting through the internet and drifting through all of these kind of different means of um, like informal means of putting across media learns to read those things and learns to read them as being significant because a lot of that more amateurly produced content it doesn't come with much context a lot of the time mm-hmm. and it sort of just floats around in space and so you end up reading those things for for kind of clues and like even in like the titles of videos if the it's not capitalized properly and mm-hmm. like what's maybe out of shot if they've shot it in their living room like all of these things become really significant mm-hmm. and I don't know I just I suppose that's me responding to the criticism of of um, whoever that other person was that interviewed you <laughs> but I think I think it is important within you know you can tell when you're watching your video the things the sort of I suppose talking head things where you're interviewing people over Skype and you can tell the ones that are shot on a phone you mm-hmm. can tell the ones that are done with like a, a digital SLR because it's been double compressed and it, yeah yeah, and like a lot of them were doubly, like were really weirdly compressed because they were sent to me via like weird systems. Like there's one on I Believe in You that's kind of really yellowy of this guy who like did about seven takes of that same thing that they said. So it's also really rehearsed. But they sent it through like, I don't remember. I can't remember how they sent it. I think they tried to attach it to like a text message or something. So it's a really weird, bizarrely <laughs> compressed file that there was no way to like, to change the way it, yeah, it looks. But I think um, I think maybe um, maybe it comes from that thing of not of like wanting to not make things that like I, there's this like um, weird double thing of like not wanting to make things that look like cinema or that talk too much about cinema and wanting to make these things that like really ordinary and everyday kind of have a bigger significance and to film things or like show things that haven't been seen or haven't been seen in this particular way. But then, like, um, it's difficult because you're, like, encoded in these ways of, like, looking at a frame and deciding, like, what's, like, actually a good frame. Um, so I find there's, like, a really difficult um, balancing act between wanting to be all, like, fuck cinematic knowledge, but then also, like, I want this shot to look good. Yeah, I guess you always have that, like, inbuilt or innate sort of thing when you look at a frame even if, even if you're deliberately going for like the anti-aesthetic mm-hmm. you're, it still feels like a bit aff and you end up having to like fight your own mm. sort of tendency to try and fit yourself into a canon again but I think it's not even necessarily anti-aesthetic so it's like um like there was a technique I used to do a lot where I'd like um yeah like hold the camera and move it around as if it was part of my body and everything would be like quite shaky and like not particularly great shots, particularly like I Believe In You, I did that a lot. And then um, there'd be ones where like, it'd be quite a boring shot, like in Vaseline or like quite a like photographic shot that was trying to hold like a lot of content in terms of what was being said in it um, and holding it quite difficultly. Um, And then there's like, yeah, I guess the, the to cameras that people film also do a similar thing of being quite low quality so I guess there are other ways of like trying to refute some of those like um cinematic modes or like not necessarily refute them it's not that I think cinema's bad just that there are other yeah there are other like uh modes of using film or like modes of knowing which which are important and maybe often 
yeah, like less there or something. That was quite abstract. That was super abstract. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like, um, I guess one thing that I thought about when you were saying that was the whole like, um, yeah, trying to make like quite, um, not niche, but like um, weird bits of footage hold a lot in them when they maybe um, like struggle or like, so I guess like there's some shots in I Believe In You that like uh, me following a pigeon, I think it is. No, it's a seagull kind of around the sea. And I've done that before in some of the films and they like, um, that shot for me, like, it, like it, it's trying to hold too much because I'm trying to like reference some Felix Gonzalez Torres work and I'm trying to reference like surveillance and I'm trying to not really show you anything and it'd be moving too much. So I guess there are these points where these images kind of, or these, these sequences can't really hold everything that they're trying to hold and they start to like buckle. Mm. And I guess that's one thing like with the Sharp HD that it has these kind of, these real limitations. And even in like Vaseline, I guess there's that with some of the movement where it's like super clunky at times because I'm using quite a bad tripod. Um, and it's like sticking. Yeah, and it's so. sticking. And it's like, it doesn't really hold the conventions that it's supposed to be. Because I like, I guess there, there are those scenes where it's like moving around the bathroom that's supposed to be all like, me thinking about confinement of a domestic space and obviously there's like a whole history of despite how much I hate cinema of like um, films that deal with confinement in horror and they use that kind of movement a lot but then when you're transplanting it and you've not got like the budget and stuff it's and it's not even about the budget just the when you're not trying to ape a cinematic production they kind of it's harder for them to hold all that kind of stuff mm. yeah I guess when I guess that kind of comes back to the sort of the lack of information thing again and the, mm -hmm. those those kind of like it's almost like the the bad imitations of cinema of cinema draw your attention more away from the actual like picture in the frame and mm -hmm. I found a lot of times when particularly with stuff like pans or things where it was you clearly just put the camera down while you were filming like in some grass or something yeah you spend a lot of time like actually considering the the character that's shooting yeah. And and what what his or your sort of motivations are and how how this whole like the world you're portraying sort of fits into into your life and Or even hopefully considering the camera, like I always think about that when I'm using the camera or I'm just placing it somewhere that I'm hoping people are like remembering that there's a camera here. Because that's so much of documentary and cinema trying to make you forget that there there's like a there's there's even a thing there. I mean, I, I suppose I notice, it kind of makes me think of, I, I assume the um, the guy with the sort of the moustache yeah. is your boyfriend, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, he's quite a good character because he crops up again and again. Yeah. And he's clearly got to the point where he doesn't, it's not so much that he doesn't know, he's just not surprised by the fact that you've yeah. got a camera out anymore. He's quite aggressively not willing to be in the, like, well, he is in the films, but like not willing to talk in the film. I was speaking to someone, uh, Naomi, about this the other day, and she was like, is that, that's like, Neil, why isn't, like, why does he not play a bigger role? Like, he's in them all, but he's not speaking, but he, he, he kind of refuses to, to speak in the films. Like, I've tried covertly to interview him, or, like, get some of his, yeah, but he, he kind of won't, he won't do that. But, yeah, but I guess there's, like, other, like, yeah, there's bits, if you, if you watch, like, um, I guess from, like, I Believe in You and Slope 10 Baking Cake and, like, there's like, there's, 
even shots which are like emulate like they're the same bit of footage that I've used over and over again. Um, See, so yeah, there is like bits of shorthand in it, or like uh, certain types of shots that kind of become vocabulary or something. Um, but yeah, he's quite. I guess at that point though, I was filming like things a lot, so he kind of just got used to that I'd be filming stuff. Mm. Um, but that's kind of gone. I don't think. I think he might be more surprised if I started filming things. But I guess the same with my parents. They don't really notice it if I was filming at home. Yeah, I notice anymore. I notice that they. I suppose yeah. I suppose they just find that interesting in relation to how you th how how I w the films made me think about you and mm. your obvious connection to the people mm -hmm. you were filming because most of them weren't just random people they were mm. friends or lovers or family or whatever and and i suppose that that thing of the camera and the gaze of the camera and whether and how comfortable they are sort of became something where you thought about the re the relationships that were there mm. because of their ease or relative ease <laughs> around you. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a thing about interrogating those people as a way of like interrogating certain social groups that I might fall into or be in, like particularly when it's to do with friends of like, you know, using them as a proxy, but like they're talking about things that you inherently fall into. Um, or like, the, yeah, the same, like when you talk to your parents, you're, you're like I'm interviewing them about their experiences, but it's also to do with my biography rather than theirs potentially. But um, but I, I also feel like um, well, I don't I don't feel uncomfortable about it because like Neil doesn't really care, and my mum really doesn't care about art or and has no interest, so isn't bothered that she's appearing in this kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like slightly uncomfortable sometimes about it. I feel like it might be like slightly exploitative of them. Like particularly there's some bits, so like in Slope 10 Big when I'm talking about my sister and there are some bits where she's kind of in the film but not very explicitly, like there's a bit where she's eating you can kind of see her. And that was a really difficult thing for me to try and work out like how much I felt comfortable with her being on it. And I generally feel okay like when I've got... Um, when I've got people to do things for me and they've sent me footage, I feel fine using it. Like, I don't feel like I have that much responsibility to them. I mean, sometimes I'd let them see it before I showed it. But generally, I feel like, yeah, like, it, it, I don't feel that ethically responsible. But then sometimes I do worry that these things are, like, exploitative. Or, like, it's different. It, yeah, it's different for me to put myself in this position of, like, here's my intimate life when I'm always behind the camera. Um, I suppose it's that issue of them being implicated in your agenda, mm. perhaps. Mm. Yeah, or like, I don't know, there's a bit in Slope 10 Big where my mum says something that I really like, I don't like, it's something to do with uh, lesbianism, and I find it a bit like, oh, like that makes me really uncomfortable, and I don't want people to think that's what I think, but I also don't want people to think... But then also you don't want to edit your... But also, yeah, I don't want to edit it out, and like, yeah, it's like... And she can say things, I mean, she's a lesbian, it's fine if she has these feelings, but like, it just, it was, and it wasn't even a big thing, it's like a little generational stuff, like, oh, that's not how I'd refer to those kind of, like, that situation. Yeah. Um, I think it was something like, they've even got, they're even in Disney films now, I think it's a phrase like that. Um, so yeah, there's also like a, yeah, I don't know, like a awkwardness with that kind of thing. I quite liked that awkwardness. There's a, there's yeah. a point in, um, 
uh, Vaseline, mm. where your mum kind of calls you out on that a little bit. I don't think she'd hurt that you're making a film about her. I think... I don't think you're making a film about her. I think you're making a film for you. I guess I guess that's good. I think if you're you're owning up up to your own like subjectivity as the director, and then also I suppose allowing allowing for people to for your uh, I don't want to call them characters, but the people in your films to sort of have their own kind of agency within your sort of vision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I guess but I guess there's only so much agency that they can have I mean like with Vaseline like there there is like super difficult stuff in that of like I'm trying to tell these or like I'm saying that I'm trying to tell these stories of my grandma because I'm like it's, it started out for me like really angry that she's not in like in culture in any way or like she's not in these archives and I don't hear that kind of family accent anywhere and you know her taste isn't good taste and blah, 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 blah. But then at the same time, there is also like an awkwardness in the way that like I'm editing her to fit into a certain thing. So like particularly when I found the stuff around like the spells and stuff, like I start editing this particular narrative and this particular vision, which is like Helen is this matriarch that acts in certain ways. And um, so there is that kind of awkwardness about the way that I'm defining her or also about the like the stories that the family are telling about her that they can never really capture the the whole thing. So actually it becomes very little about her in some ways. Or like she has very little autonomy despite the fact that you're just looking at mainly her things. Mm. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, even like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she'd have hated that if she'd have known that I made a film about her full stop, let alone the actual film I made that she would have thought was terrible. Um, so that's also like super difficult, but also totally fine. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, that's just a conversation about like parents and art as well. Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. sort of making and and especially, or I imagine even more so when you're actually making work about them, is mm. there's always that sort of there's always a bit of friction where they don't really understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. But even like with Neil, I don't think he's ever watched any of these films like the whole way through, particularly. Like he's been at the openings and stuff, but I don't think he's actually like considered that there's this body of work that he's appearing in a lot um yeah but maybe that's just because people in my life don't seem to be that bothered about <laughs> well i don't know that's probably probably good for you isn't it mm-hmm. um yeah but i suppose that sort of that subjectivity is like i mean it is your own because it's your it's your work and it's your framing of it but it's also the nature of the sort of anecdotal mm-hmm. histories or recounting of relationships or experiences within your works that you're following anyway, where like, particularly in Vaseline, I, you know, things, what's being talked about doesn't really match up mm-hmm. in that way. Like, because it's being told from multiple standpoints and people are like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this part or I never really talked about that part, but I can tell you this part and then that conflicts with slightly with another part. And mm. I suppose that's just the sort of, I don't know, nature of those things is you can never really put too fine a point on it. And I don't, I mean, going back to what you were saying about it, the images sort of trying to hold more than they could, mm. I, 
I sort of thought it was the opposite where there's like, there's so much space in a lot of the videos in mm -hmm. terms of like what's, what's said and in terms of the sort of visual information that's yeah. available that you, you end up having to take, make some kind of subjective judgment on, mm -hmm. I suppose the narrative of, of, of the people in it. Mm -hmm. But I guess the anecdotal for me is like, does the same kind of thing as the images that can't really hold enough, which is that they also like, can't really hold enough. Cause I guess like, I'm, yeah, like there's a, the, I guess there's like a theoretical underpinning of a lot of the stuff that I'm thinking about, but I just don't necessarily think it's that interesting to point to the theory that I've been reading rather than look at these anecdotes that I may be doing the same thing, but I don't necessarily know if they really can hold the same kind of weight or like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you mean like um, subjective decisions and narrative for me as the person making it or for the person watching it? I mean for the viewer. Mm -hmm. I think, okay. you and in that way you sort of become implicated in in the, the lives that are portrayed there mm. because you're just becoming another sort of uninformed voice in the in the overall story. But I think like with most um, moving image work, like, it, like you kind of have to just trust that the artist is doing something and they're actually taking you somewhere. I think that's like a lot of, tr I mean, yeah. I mean, not to go back to a conversation that happened off air, off air, but like you were saying how you worry about concentration spans and like giving time to moving image or like to time-based media. And I'm totally the same. Like I'm always like, oh, do I really want to, sit here for like this amount of time. I think it's like trusting that you have to trust that there's going to be like some kind of payoff. Yeah. Even if the payoff is that there's like no payoff in the jokes and you're like, you have to trust there's going to be something or like that the person is actually not wasting your time. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you manage to like struggle through like an hour long video work, then the payoff is just the fact that you live to tell the tale. <laughs> Maybe. But, um, yeah, I, supp I suppose I see what you mean, but then I think to some extent the sort of the joy or the like attraction within your work is that it sort of it doesn't necessarily really go anywhere specific. In the same way that like people find it cathartic watching like mm. unboxing videos on YouTube mm. or those kind of like ran rambling confessionals that don't really have much of a start or a beginning. Mm -hmm. And, and I suppose it's, yeah, it comes back to that, that sort of trope of the, the kind of personal, personal document, documentation or documentary where mm -hmm. the point is not really to sort of reach any conclusion. It's just to sort of observe or bear witness to something. Yeah. I guess bearing witness is like a, a good term of phrase. I guess one of the things I thought about is, or like write about is, these are really problematic concepts, like anthropology or ethnography, particularly within filmmaking. Um, so like with Cake, for example, like that's really kind of spatially ethnographic of the, the space of the farm and trying to think of like all these things that a farm is doing while at the same time being, yeah, some like obviously a, a kind of a trip to the countryside with someone who you're in a relationship with. Um, and I guess because it's thinking about that kind of thinking of, of those kind of forms of knowledge production that aren't necessarily narrative based it kind of becomes a little bit not sprawling but it's just 
yeah, there isn't like much to take from it other than kind of what you're seeing or, or witnessing this thing or recording this thing um, at that particular time. And I guess that with all of them, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess there's a thing about different forms of, of knowledge production, which aren't necessarily about um, making statements in um, an academic kind of way. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Like, I'm not claiming to be an expert in any of these things. I don't think any of these people are, like, expert witnesses. They're just, like, no, but saying the thing they have. Then then I would say, I guess, I guess my... I wonder if, like... I mean, a lot of your, your work touches upon, kind of, um, in a fairly non-explicit like, uh, way on, like, queer histories or... Um, <clears throat> yeah... But for you, these are things that are also like very personal. So I can't remember what my point was with that. I just knocked it straight out of my head. But there was something interesting about that and I forgot what it is. Well, that, that's the importance of not embodying something too theoretical or too um, analytical in the, you know, these are told from the frame of your personal experience. And yeah. and so they are, they are obs observational and they are... Mm -hmm subjective in that way and and i suppose that's the importance of bearing witness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe for you not yeah. and it's not yeah. really necessarily something that's sort of forced upon an audience it's there for them to kind of participate in if they want to but mm -hmm. it's more of a personal need than a like larger sort of historical need but i also think that's the way that like um which goes back to the the quote by that filmmaker who, whose name I can't say, that Maury Davey uses of the like, me talking or like subjectively showing an experience that I have as like a, you know, a young gay, well not so young now, but like a gay man um, living in like Europe at this particular moment. And it being like quite, I mean, it is quite specific because obviously it's, it's what I live, but it's uh, like, there's lots of recognizable kind of tropes within it just because, you know, yeah, that's life. Um, but but like the because it's specific, I think that's what makes it maybe. And I think it's the same with the YouTube stuff. Like that's what makes it more interesting for people. Whereas I think if I was to try and make a film that was going to be like a a video essay about queerness, which would be like I, I don't I don't think people would get as much from that. Or they wouldn't be they wouldn't be willing to give as much, or it wouldn't be necessarily as interesting. Um, and it would also be super weird because obviously those things are like. Um, you know, they're directions, they're not positions. Um, so I think, yeah, I think in some ways the that kind of specific subjectivity and kind of sharing of, like, life is actually what people, like, actually what they find interesting, or, like, what's kind of the hook. They then can talk about, like, these other things, but initially has to just do that thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I see exactly yeah. what you mean. And I, I also th think... The, like the form of filmmaking is like I'm not particularly good at filmmaking but it's like it's about it kind of being like yeah like super direct it's like when I'm talking about the Sophie Collins book I could have done that in several other ways that would have been much subtler but I may as well just say like I read the Sophie Collins book yeah I mean I, th I think that's also sort of you know it, it, 
I, I guess there's a question around does does video or is video art the best um, conductor for sort of yeah I don't know doing like a, a, a kind of diatribe on like a history or something mm. like that or is that something that's better conveyed in writing whereas I think it's easier to argue and it's easier to see the merit in portraying something much more with much more slipperiness to it mm. that is more personal I think there's a, a bigger justification for starting from that more intimate standpoint mm. yeah I mean I think some people's video work can do that really well just um yeah just not mine like I was watching the um if you know the Stuart Marshall video Bright Eyes I was watching that the other day and like that does like loads of really elegant stuff really well but again I mean it's using the the form of, of TV um, but that's just like coming from a very different place I guess yeah I know like it's, sometimes I think about those kind of um, films like that or like uh, artist movie image that's like super amazing and huge and cinematic I just I don't understand how you can do that like that level of production just seems like um, so extreme yeah, and I guess it's also unattractive in a lot of ways where, like, if you want to achieve that kind of level of production, then you you sacrifice a lot in terms of your own enjoyment of making it or producing mm. it or recording it. And also the, I suppose, the, like, gestural quality you might be allowed mm. in, a, in a work. Like, once you kind of push it to a higher production value, it's really hard to not lose, mm. to not lose those sort of things. Yeah, but I guess it also like I mean there is a relationship between making video and, and writing, and I guess it's it's kind of the same. Yeah, I mean I guess it's the same kind of thing of like you know, some people who write, not memoir but kind of you know slightly autobiographical stuff that's kind of shorter form and more direct to audience address rather than someone who writes like a large historical novel that might be talking about the same kind of thing. Not that one's better than the other, but they're, they're different things. Mm. Like, I'm not sure I could make work that was like that big. And I can also see this with traveling, how important it is to be in a place physically and how important it is to smell and to, um, yeah, to, 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 to feel anxiety or to feel whatever you feel if you're on a trip or if you're being in a place that you don't know. Um, so I would say this is very important for me um, to, 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 to feel that there is a connection between my mind and my body. I feel like it has to be for me, like I have to think it together to really enjoy my life or really to feel fulfilled.